I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Twenty twenty three special coverage on Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. All right, welcome to Inside Sources. Except it's not Boyd Matheson it's today not. that you have. Um, but we hope you'll stay with us for the next two hours. I'm Leah Murray, director of the Walker Institute up at Weber State University. And I'm here with my good friend Derek Brown, who is a partner at Lincoln Hill. And basically when you came in, Derek, you were wearing a little tag. That marked you as a... As a lobbyist. That's right. It was the best thing ever. That's a new Utah rule that (laughs) you've got to do that. And frankly, just about every other state does something like that. I think Utah was one of the last ones to do that. Right. So just so that the legislators know why you're on the Hill, like you're not on a tour. Exactly. You're actually there doing... Exactly. And today is... there's a It's a crazy day at the Capitol. There are literally thousands of kids up at the Capitol. Thousands of students. Because this is Children's Day so, at the Capitol, or yeah. what's going on? Well, we'll we have a guest that can probably tell us a little more about that. But chances are, if you're listening, uh, there's probably a lot of you that have children at the Capitol right now. All right, we've got with us Candice Perucci to have a conversation. Hopefully, maybe she can reveal why. Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, so first, right out of the gate, because I couldn't get Derek to say why. Why are all these children up at the Capitol today? Today, they are up here supporting House Bill 215, and it is National School Choice Week. So they came up here with their I Love My Fit t-shirts supporting the bill. And in fact, I I was up there, and I I got a glimpse of you racing by with about 30 kids behind you. Like, you were were doing a tour, right? Wasn't that your role? (laughs) We were helping them get to the House side. They They were over by the Supreme Court chambers. So yeah, we were trying to get them to the other side. Uh, and I was there to meet all the students who'd come up. So we ended up having about 2,000 kiddos up here today. Oh, my goodness. That must have been loud. That seems very loud. <laughs> it was very loud. Yeah. So tell us. Um, so I think we've been talking about this bill for a hot minute. So probably everyone knows. So, but really quickly, in case someone hasn't been paying attention, what is your bill trying to do? But then if you could explain why it seems like there's been some heated debate. Some people have, like, strong feelings about it. Can you explain what's going on with that as well? You bet. Thanks for the question. So this bill does two important things. The first thing it does is it increases teacher compensation by $6,000. And then the second thing it does is it creates the Utah Fits All Scholarship Program, which is a program that would allow a limited number of students based on the funding that we've appropriated for it to apply for this scholarship that could be used for homeschooling, microschooling, or private school costs. The idea is to make education a more customizable learning experience to where a kid truly is in the best learning environment for them. We know that over 90% of students 
<laughs> love their public schools. They thrive in them. But we do have some students who are falling through the cracks and who may do better in a different learning setting. And so this gives them and their parents the ability to make that decision by applying for this scholarship. And so the application of the scholarship, I mean, there isn't enough, there aren't enough funds for every student to do this that they wanted, right? It's a pretty small Correct. I know everyone like is... like a pilot or something, right? Yeah, well, and I know everyone is, you know, very alarmist and saying it's going to break the whole system. It, it physically cannot. The, we fund the uh, public education budget in Utah is $7 billion with a B. This program will cost $42 million. It's less than half a percent of the entire education budget. We anticipate it will be able to serve... Out of the gate, about 5,000 students, which is roughly about four kids a school. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm actually, I've got a question about something you said when you were setting it all up. So parents, and I'm a parent of um, children. My kids are in charter school, so I'll just reveal that. So so parents could get scholarships, but how do you know? So my children in the charter school, right, take, I think the end of level test is the rise test, right? You know, at the end Mm -hmm. of like Yeah, the state testing, yeah. yeah. So how will you, how do you envision the, the system kind of tracking if you will, assessment or accountability, not just of the funds, because I understand how that's going to work, but how will you know that the children who are getting these scholarships are, you know, like at the end of the day can do the math or, you know, the reading? So what we have in place right now is that a student who receives the scholarship would need to submit a portfolio. This is something homeschool families are very familiar with. Um, They submit a portfolio that highlights the work they've accomplished for that academic year. That can include an essay. It can include an art project. I mean, it's it's obviously with this being a customizable education experience, it'll vary based on the student. Um, And if a parent would like, they can request an assessment, uh, which you you mentioned the state rise assessment. You could also do a norm reference assessment that a parent could use and have their student take in place of the portfolio requirement. But we are requiring that students submit a portfolio. Okay. And and just out of curiosity, there are a lot, there's a lot of not just controversy, but there's a lot of uh, misstatements and a lot of things that aren't entirely true. In fact, I saw a funny uh, email over the weekend that had your picture and it said public enemy oh, number man. one or something goofy like that. And whenever we start seeing <laughs> nonsense like that, it, you know, things are getting heated and out of out of hand. What what is what is the number one most common misconception about this bill? And I know that you spent a couple hours yesterday in a Senate uh, getting yeah. really grilled by a Senate hearing uh, on some of these things and, 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 you know, answered them. But what what is it that you think you hear most often that that parents or teachers don't understand about yeah. this particular bill. 
I think the hardest thing is that we, and why we, I say, you know, when we're working on this issue, people really have a scarcity mentality in that if you do this, you must be doing two things. One, gutting our public education system, or two, not believe in our public education system. And that is not the case at all. Our public education system was established and created to serve the students of Utah. And this bill is trying to get back to more of a student-centric, student-focused learning approach for families who right now have tried everything they can within the system, but need an alternative. Um, and, And I think what's hard about this issue is I have sat down for hours with people willing to talk policy, walking them through what the policy does. But no matter how many times I walk through it, the facts are not what they're hearing. And so I've gotten some vicious, nasty attacks in text from people saying you're you're gutting the education system. I'm the chair of education. I believe in public education. I am a product of public education and loved my teachers. So I want to make sure we have the best robust public education system in the country. I also recognize that kids are different. Anyone who's been a parent knows from kid to kid, your children vary and we're all unique. And sometimes different approaches work better for different children. And that's what this is trying to do. I also want to point out we have a huge teacher retention problem in Utah right now. 42% of our teachers leave within the first five years of the profession. I view this, one, the teacher pay increase will help get the money right out of the gate so they don't have to stay for the three, four, five years before they get that pay raise. And two, it can be a release valve for those kids in the class. And I've had teachers who support this bill reach out and say, I have spent hours with this one student, but I also have 30 other kids in class I'm trying to get to. If I could tell their parent, you know, this may not be the best fit. Here's an option for you that it would be helpful. Perfect. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, This is Representative Candace Perucci, a member of the Utah House of Representatives. We appreciate you joining us on Inside Sources. Well, hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And coming up next, the drip of classified documents keeps coming related to the Biden administration. We take a look at them next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.